What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. Welcome to episode number 39 of the Crafted Podcast. Podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. And we also live stream every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to live stream with us, we have started a YouTube channel for that. So that's the best way to kind of join us. Uh, we're having a lot of fun over there. You guys can actually see us now. Now, so that's a bit of a bit of a change, but uh, yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes uh, to our YouTube channel. But also, just search "Crafted Podcast" on YouTube will be the first thing that comes up. Uh, also, if you like the show, go ahead and give it a five star rating on iTunes. That is super super helpful. And last, we have started a Patreon page. Started that a few months ago. It's doing really well. And we just added a new goal, a $250 goal. Uh, when we hit $250 a month on Patreon, we're going to be adding a weekend show. So that should be awesome. Yeah, add a little extra content. And uh, hopefully we'll hit that here in the next maybe a month or so. But our top patron of the week, as always, is Make, Build, Modify. And we have no new patrons this week. So come on, y'all. Get on it. So uh, <laughs> let me introduce my co-hosts. As always, I've got James Wright from Wood by Wright. What's going on, James? Oh, so much is going on, but thank you for asking me today. <laughs> and I've got Zach Herberholz back this week, absent last week. What's going on, Zach? How's it going? Good, man. Good. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was very excited to have the, the core crew back. You know, we've had guests, I think, every week for the past like month. So this is uh, back, last, back to last week was the standard crew. Last week was yeah. good. Kind of last minute for me going up to uh, uh, Jimmy's place. Yeah, and, uh, that looked like a lot of fun. It was, it was a blast, man. It was, you know, the only downside was like, I'm like, oh man, it's going to be so nice to get out of this Florida heat. I went up to <laughs> Albany and it was like record highs. It was like, it was like in the nineties all the whole That's time. Funny. It, it was brutal. So, and then it was like raining and overcast down here. So it was, but it was, it was a good time. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of heavy hitters up there. Dude, yeah. So what what was the deal with that? Was that just like everybody come up and hang out and make a TP? I mean, what was Yeah, what I don't was know the how, idea of it. I don't know how word got out. Um sprinkler wine bottle. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how word went out. I just uh, I was talking to Jimmy a little bit and uh I'm like, Hey man, if uh if you ever doing anything, let me know. And he's like, Well, I think I might be doing something uh a cup in a week or so up at my place. I'm like okay i'll uh i'll make that happen so so yeah i got in uh wednesday at like one in the morning and uh yeah it was it was a good time yeah but, uh, man it was it was cool meeting uh laura uh comp too and but uh like jocko is <laughs> hilarious like that guy is oh, dude so he's so ridiculous like, they, they almost have like this I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but they have like this, this almost like a chemistry, the two like together. They're just both yeah. absolutely hilarious. Yes. Yeah. They seem like a good duo. I've, I've met Jocko. I've never met Laura. She, I, I would love to meet her. She's one of my favorites as far as, you know, just especially her video work is just super inspiring. Yeah. It was, she it was crazy. It. Like being up there and just watching how everybody does things. It was really cool to watch like the process. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know if anybody, if you guys have seen uh, Jocko and Laura, when we were in Jimmy's shop, they reshot, they like reshot that scene from Ghost, mm -hmm. even where they're on like the potter's wheel and stuff. Well, they <laughs> did it on like the lathe and oh, yes. there must be like, there must've been 20 takes of that scene <laughs> um, because all of us were watching and none of us could keep it together every time. It was just, I have a few... I have a few outtakes of it in my vlog, um, but uh, it was unbelievable. It was so funny. Yeah, but it was, it was what funny. I was getting at is it was really interesting to see the way, like to see everybody's equipment and to see um, the, their filming process and how much more sophisticated it is than mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I would be very interested to see both Laura and Jocko. I have to imagine they do a lot more with lighting and probably change their lenses all the freaking time, which yeah, I you know. And, yeah. and Jocko also has his, uh, his uh, slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. His, Jocko's like an expensive lighting. slow-mo camera. He is the master of lighting. It was crazy oh, yeah. to watch. Like that scene, they watched that scene on, on the, from Ghost on their phone. <clears throat> and then Jocko set up like, 
backlighting and f- like face light. I don't know the terminology face lighting. And then like, he didn't use the app or, or I, I can't remember. I think he used, he just like pants somehow he, uh, it might've been, I, I don't know. I'm not even going to talk about it, but <laughs> <laughs> he did something that was a very unconventional way of dialing in the lighting on the camera. Huh? Like the lighting blurred out in the background and it wasn't just aperture. It was, I don't know. It was weird. But what I found yeah. out is that tip, it seems like the more money you spend on a camera, you get a smaller camera and a bigger lens. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all use the micro four thirds stuff, I think, which is also what I use. And that's what, I mean, so many people are moving to because it's so no, much I, more, it's, so it's called micro four thirds or, or mirrorless. So basically compared to a typical DSLR camera, which has an actual mirror in it that reflects the light up to the sensor, uh, these new, you know, Sony has one Panasonic really kind of pioneered it with the GH4, which is what James uses. I use the G7, which is kind of their, uh, lower end or slightly cheaper version of the GH4. Um, but they have no mirror. So the bodies of the, the cameras can be a lot smaller. So it's really pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Sony makes the a 6,300, which I think David Picciuto and Jay Bates use, um, but they're, they're kind of killing your traditional Canon DSLRs because those things are like boat they're anchors. quarter of the size. Yeah, and, and the quality is just as good, a lot easier to travel with. Um, yeah, the only downside to them, I mean, in, in every way, the upside is better except for low light because you have a smaller sensor. Yep. If you have a smaller sensor, there's less actual electrons hitting it. So it and like less shallow depth of field. It's a little harder to get that super crispy shallow depth of field with a smaller sensor. Generally yeah, unless speaking, you really go up in the lenses. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about the micro four thirds. I was using Canon for, for years and had a 60 and, you know, some of their crazy lenses, but man, those, the camera was like six, seven pounds with the lens on it. And now it's like a pound, a pound and a half. And it's just an insane difference. So especially like if you want to use gimbals and stuff like that, you can use cheaper gimbals and yeah. it, it makes life way easier overall. Um, yeah. It's just easier to take places I, and hold out. And- yeah, for sure. I, um, I actually filmed that. So for my, my birthday is actually coming up in a few days and uh, I recently bought, actually, after we were talking in uh, Oklahoma, I bought a um, GoPro Hero 5. Yeah, I saw that. For my uh, for my birthday present, one of my birthday presents for my wife, she bought me that Karma. She have it right here. This uh, Karma yeah. Grip gimbal. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so I filmed the whole blog or whole vlog on that, and that was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it looked great, man. I, I think I think for what you do for your style, the GoPro is the way to go because you're always, for the most part, getting a wide angle shot anyway, and you're not going for like the shallow depth of field kind of cinematic look. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, just look what Jimmy does, and basically to me, like your videos are very similar stylistically to Jimmy's. And he uses the heck out of the GoPro. So yeah, I think I it's think a great still, option. I think I'll still use my, my, um, my normal camera DSLR for, for most of my shots. But I think when I'm doing, I think when I do like action shots or like get into tight spaces, I want to do a little bit more of that in the video. I think that'll yeah. be good for that sort of thing. Well, especially like since your shop is smaller, yeah. using something that's very wide as far as like a wide angle is better for me. I'm like going the opposite end. I'm, I'm looking at buying like a portrait lens, which is like an 80, 85 millimeter lens, which the camera is going to have to be like 10 feet from me to, to even get, you know, a, a decent close up. but that's what like Chris Salamone and people like that do. And you get this awesome blurred out background and just super sexy. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, just different, different stylistically, but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how, how cheap and, like good quality the cameras are getting these days. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I can, I can sense that being, cause like watching them film, it was, it was really cool. Um, and it made me ask myself the question, like, well, do I like, maybe I want to do that. Like, do I want to do this? <laughs> That's really cool. And then, yeah. uh, and then I had to ask myself the question, like, would that work for what I do? I mean, it might, Yeah, I feel like part of maybe part of the allure of like what I, do is the fact that it's like kind of 
raw, you know? Oh yeah. It's like rough it's like and gritty. Vinyl. And it's, it's like the vinyl version of YouTube. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, the other and question you have to ask yourself you, is, are you making a video or are you making a product? Exactly. And you That's sell, you sell commission work, whereas Laura and Jocko make money making videos. So they, you know, doing all that fancy stuff sucks your time like crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm trying to strike a happy medium where I can still bang stuff out, but, you know, move the camera around semi-regularly. But it's it's tough, man. It's a, it's a pain in the butt. It, it definitely slows you down every, yeah. you know, when, when every 15 minutes you're having to think about moving the camera. Well, I mean, I have to do that as it is. I mean, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know how much more time it would take for me to to you know i th- I, I was just it made me think like well do i want to do i want to put some more money into my lighting i think lighting would be advantageous no matter how you look at it in my shop, yeah just like. for your work man um having having good lighting while you while you make stuff is like really useful yeah <laughs> it's pretty nice yeah so i don't know it was it was interesting though it was a really good experience and that's every single time i get together with people from our community, yeah. I walk away with like a whole new, um, you know, tangent of just, it's like, an, anytime I do that, like three forks in the road, in the road, like present themselves to me afterwards. I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, like I didn't, I didn't even think about these things. Do I want to pursue this? But you know, even if I don't, I know they're there and, and I've learned, it's just always good to soak up information and, and, there's a lot of great conversations that were had and it was, it was just a, it was a good time. Yeah, no, it looked, looked awesome. I certainly hope if, and when he does that again, he like extends the net of invitations a little wider. Cause I would love to like that. His house, his whole setup up there just seems so freaking cool. Like, like I had next to no interest to going to his like Manhattan shop. Cause that just being in that place just stresses me out like to no end. But the upstate kind of, you know, middle of the country kind of house shop that is way more, uh, that's just seems super cool. Uh, that's, that's kind of like where I want to get to one day is, you know, having all the animals and the chickens and being out <laughs> in the woods. I mean, I'm, I'm like pretty close to that already realistically. Um, but you know, that would be like the next house basically. So yeah, it's, it seems like an awesome setup he has out there. But, yeah, uh, it is nice. The thing that's the, the thing that uh man Jimmy's a beast. Like <laughs> he he's such a cool guy. I mean, first of all, like I've met him, I've hung out with him before, and he's like one of the few people that you like it's just like he's, he's such a good, genuine person, you almost feel bad like for talking to him because he like he gives you all of his attention. It's really weird. It's very rare that you meet somebody that when you talk to them, like they set their phone down and look you in the eyes and have like a genuine conversation with you. Um, so I was really cool, but I mean that dude, that guy works is it's crazy. I mean, it was like, everybody's cashing in. We just, uh, I remember it was one of the nights and we're all like done because it was hot. It was, it was really hot. And, uh, we're, you know, felling trees with axes and stuff. (laughs) And, uh, we're, we're done. It's hot and we're all sitting down and it's like dark out. And uh, thought everybody's cashing. He's like, "I'm gonna go get some more trees." He just takes off in the woods. <laughs> it was crazy, but um, but yeah, the the thing, his house isn't air conditioned, and Whoa. it was brutal. And there's like, it's huge though. The house is like, it looks big from the outside. It's a labyrinth inside because there's been like so many expansions and stuff. Like every time I went to find my room, like I had to like stop and think about which way to turn. <laughs> and there's like doors everywhere. So like you shut a door and you'll look that way and you're like, okay, that's not where my room is. It's it's really weird. But I was all the way up in the top floor, so it was it was brutally hot up there. But uh yeah, I, I did sleep with no AC. It's crazy. It was, it was is, up there. Yeah, no, thank you, man. That uh, that was when we, when, I, when we lived in New England. Like so many places we looked to rent did not have AC. And I'm like, you know, growing up in the South, I'm like, what, like, yeah. what is this concept of no AC? Like, I, I'm because even in the Northeast or the Midwest in the North or any of those places, it still gets like 80 to 90 degrees during the summer. You know, it's still like nowhere in this country for the most part. 
does it stay like below 75 year round, which is kind of where I wouldn't want AC essentially. I never had AC until I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm what, what is like the highs in Alaska though? I mean, you growing up in Alaska, what was, well, the there, there? It was like you'd have a, a couple weeks out of the year it would get over 70. It's yeah. The same in Northern Michigan. And see that you probably don't need AC, but there's very yeah. few places in those America. couple weeks we'd leave the doors open to the house and just let the air flow through and it'd be fine. Yeah, man. I don't know. Then you get bugs, which is a whole nother screen on the windows, but yeah, man, I'm not cut out for that life. Central <laughs> AC, man. I am all about, I'm, I'm working on trying to get AC in the shop, which uh, is ongoing, but man, I'm really, really trying to, uh, really trying to get that knocked out. But um, I, well, I guess I'll talk about what I've been working on this week. Uh, we've been kind of rambling here. Uh, I put out the scrap wood wall art video, uh, which is doing okay. I figured that one wouldn't be like a huge performer on my channel just because it's more of like a, you know, smaller kind of crafty kind of thing. But I'm really happy with the way it turned out. It was really simple and uh, I think it looks cool and really is kind of a focal point in my den area. Um, also got back into working on those arts and crafts dining chairs. Should be finishing those up by the end of next week. Uh, finally, finally, finally going to be finishing those working on them on and off for like probably three months so it's definitely my longest running most stressful project but i think i got my head wrapped around it i'm making a jig for the uh back rests right now and are those able to knock it out yeah 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 they're like mission style ones so um those have been quite the project, but I've, I've basically the only other pieces I have to cut are the backrests, and then I just need to do the joinery for like the decorative rails, and and then that's it, and finish it. So, um, and I, I think I've pretty well nailed, nailed down the finish. I have both like uh, general finishes, brown mahogany, uh, water based stain, which pretty much dead on the same color, uh, or I have right. the trans tint brown mahogany as well, which kind of leaning towards that because then I can spray it on and kind of sneak up on the color rather than trying to wipe on a stain. And, you know, there's so many little nooks and crannies on these things that if I miss a section and don't wipe it off in time, (laughs) I think it's going to be way darker. Uh, Whereas if I just spray it on, I can be pretty confident that it's all going to look fairly even. And that way I can also tint, you know, my, my clear coat. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think that's shellac. And then do a clear over that. I don't think so. I think I'm just going to go straight from dye to Endurovar. They're both, you know, water based. Um, you're going to mix. You're going to make a toner, though, right? Are you going to mix? Probably, dye? yeah. So I'll probably do a base like coat of stain. So just probably, you know, alcohol and stain, or, um, and then kind of get like a base color with that, and kind of keep that lighter, and then tone the first or second coat of Endurovar and then you know after after I get the color right then I can just do a couple more layers of Endurovar and be good to go because I kind of want to like warm up the color a little bit and that's Endurovar kind of has this amber you know rather than like a totally water white like the high performance Um, so that should be good Uh, (laughs) knock on wood that should be it so finish that up and get those things delivered and get them out of my life forever. Very excited. Uh, also working on, I'm going to do some tap handles. I don't know if you guys saw on my Instagram stories, uh, Heath Knuckles, who runs a really cool YouTube channel. I think I've yeah. shouted him out here yeah. before. Yeah. He sent me this little block of, it's actually right up in this corner, right there. Um, it's this <laughs> little block of like red epoxy kind of dyed swirled epoxy. And then also a stabilized burl, a maple burl. And just really cool looking. And it's probably like a three inch by four inch block. And I'm going to cut it into four pieces and make like four matching tap handles for my kegerator out of it. Just real small, little low profile tap handles, uh, which, you know, perfect for a kegerator. And that should be really sweet. So that's going to be for Make Magazine. And I'm going to use Rockler's little teeny uh, beginner lathe so I don't get as much crap from the Make (laughs) people because if i you know <laughs> pulled out my it would also be just ridiculous because i'm pretty sure the tool rest on my nova lathe is like twice the size of these tap handles so it just wouldn't even work that well so uh you know those little mini lathes come in handy for you know pens and stuff like that so that'll be cool 
Uh, and then also working on some modern Adirondack chairs. That'll be coming out in like two weeks. But are you not, kidding me? Are you? Oh, what are you working on? Some? Do you see the video I put out a week ago? Oh, well, yeah, they're not steel. They're nothing like yours. <laughs> they're wooden. And uh, yeah, they're completely 100 <laughs> percent different than yours. I, I have a secret. Oh, yeah. I put Adirondack in the title. Oh, yeah. Just for search. Otherwise, otherwise nobody would find it because. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't think. I mean, if you ask somebody to name two kinds of chairs, I don't think most people could do it. No, I thought that was a very good move. Oh, yeah, I mean, Adirondack and um, yeah, uh, Lazy Boy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody adds another word. I think they just search for chair, you know, or Adirondack chair or just chair. I think yeah. that's I think that's basically it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, yeah. I'm, so it's going to be. I'm actually kind of knocking off this. Crate and Barrel, their CB2, which is one of their, I guess, you know, sub companies. They made this modern Adirondack chair back in the day. They haven't, it's been out of production for a while, but uh, it's really sweet looking, I think. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And so, you've yeah. got like the Midas touch lately. Like everything you do is turning to gold. I don't know, it's man. Awesome. It's, it's awesome, but it also makes me jealous. I mean, <laughs> but performance wise, I would disagree because like, if anything, I'm kind of like, like my video numbers have dropped, uh, in the past what do you mean? month. Like, like I'm still gaining subscribers pretty, you know, at, at a good pace. Very happy I, with I would that. Say you know, beyond a good pace. I mean, so yeah, I'm going up like 10,000 subscribers a month, probably at this <laughs> point, which I'm very happy with. <laughs> um, <laughs> very happy with that. But like, you know, my last couple of videos, you know, 20,000, 30,000. The one I put out yesterday is at like 13,000. So, you know, for somebody with 80 plus thousand subscribers, that's, I mean, in my eyes, that's not that great. I, you know, my, my target is like at least like 25% of my audience per video. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it's just how, how you look at it, but, uh, is what it is, man. I have the opposite problem. Like, which I think is bad. I get a lot of views and not a lot of subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, overall, I guess overall, like on my channel, I have a really high subscriber rate for the amount of views, but my videos lately have been getting a lot of views, but I'm not picking up a whole lot of subscribers from them. I don't know. And I think that's mostly probably due to frequency. I mean, I've been putting out videos at a ridiculous pace for the past, I mean, basically a year, you know, I'm three to four videos a month, every month, plus one on make magazine. So, you know, it's just volume of content is, is insane. So, um, it's, uh, that's, and dude, the river table is still creating, I'm pretty sure like probably like 20 to 30% of my subscribers per month probably comes from that video. Cause it's still getting crazy traffic. It's about to pass like 900,000 views or something stupid That's like that. Crazy. So yeah, it's awesome. uh yeah, I mean, it's great. And, and I just did a collaboration with uh, Seth's bike hacks, which was another video I put out this week. Um, we built this like stupid <laughs> kicker ramp and cutting board combination oh, yeah. <laughs> to watch list, but oh, yeah. dude, That's you should, good. I would recommend watching Seth's video. If you have to watch one of the two Seth's video covering the same thing was yeah. so freaking good. I mean, I, I obviously I liked my own video too, but Seth is a really great storyteller. Uh, yeah. I think he, he really did a good job, especially he knows like next to nothing about woodworking and he explained the whole process really well. Is like he I was too. Yeah. He just moved here a couple of months ago. He was living in South Florida. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I bet he's happy to be out. Huh? Oh yes. He's, he's well, I mean, dude, Asheville is a mountain bike Mecca too. And he runs yeah. a mountain biking YouTube channel. Like that's his full-time gig. He's huge. Awesome. So, um, <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah, i think he's definitely enjoying it and um it's nice because now i have somebody like local to ride with and he's incredibly good so i miss pushing. yeah, yeah we've uh, we've actually been like i miss winter so much that my wife and i have actually <laughs> considered we're, we're going to take a, a trip up to portland maine and check that out oh it's dude portland cool. maine is amazing man it's <laughs> like Oh yeah, well we when we when we lived like north of Boston, we drive up there all the time. It's only like an hour and a half from us. I, think I would like it, dude. It's, it's not like that rocky, stormy, creepy 
You would uh, definitely like it. Like, it's like a total like foodie town too. Like it's really almost like a small, you know, it's, it's almost like the Portland of the East coast in that real foodie, amazing beer scene. Like there's a ton of great breweries there, uh, but it's a port town, you know, obviously yeah. shares that in common with uh, you know, Portland, Oregon. I wonder, I wonder how met, like what percentage of our audience is getting bored hearing us talk about probably a lot. We should probably get back <laughs> on topic. So, Where were we? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much done. I think so. I, James, I just, you, haven't, you haven't talked much. I think James I, I, needs a turn. Oh yeah. yeah. Should, should I bring this back to woodworking? Yeah. I think that'd be good. Well, this week I've been working on my bench. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you know, that, that thing I've been working on for the last year, oh, kind yeah, of like yeah, the dresser, yeah. but the, the bench. That thing looks yes. nice. At first Dude. I was like, I was like, man, that's kind of weird to have like a slab on a, workbench but it actually looks really cool it looks awesome (laughs) and you knocked that out pretty quick man i mean compared to the dresser which i felt like lasted the first like 50 percent of our podcast (laughs) yes bench was like you know five episodes maybe which that was quick i've actually um yeah it's it's the fifth episode i've been doing one a week and actually since i've been working on it but i still have another three or four episodes because i'll be this week i'm working on putting on the end vice which is a, a veritas two screw chain vice so you, you turn one, it automatically will turn the other one. So you run both of them in parallel in and out. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I'm loving this thing. I've, I've got it installed and working now, but I have to, I have to do the, the finishing touch on making the, the, the chop um, match up. Um, but then after that, uh, I'm going to be drilling dog holes and slapping uh, boiled linseal on the thing. Yeah, dude. And I'm That's looking forward look to that. Amazing. That walnut carving oh. is just going to explode. Oh, Yeah. I was I was like wishing you had already done that when you put out your last video. I'm like, come on, dude, you're leaving this thing unfinished. You know, making me making me wait. That's yeah, I'll, I'll do a whole uh, is gonna be sweet though. That's, whole sexy uh, voice while I put the first coat on. Yeah, yeah. that'll be good. <laughs> so you're so you basically the twin screw is gonna be your you know wagon vice or end vice yeah, um, because I'll have a I'm gonna have at least two rows of dog holes running all the way back um, off of the end vice, and I'm thinking about putting a third row as well. Nice. Um, but I may hold off on the third row until I want to use it. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. But then I, I'm really interested to see because I'm putting two leg vices on it. Um, and the one closest to the end vice will be a, a fast action um, uh, leg vice. So it has not only the, the crisscross, but it's also um, fast action. So it slides in and out rather than turning in and yeah, out. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so I'm interested to see which one I use more. Do I use the highly functional end vice as a face vice, or do I use the leg vice more often because it's faster? Hmm. It should be kind of, you should make a corner vice <laughs> <laughs> floor vice. <Yes. laughs> nice. Now, the other things this week, I made a uh, toolbox with my daughter. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. She has her own YouTube channel and she tells me how she wants the videos edited and, and we work through actually editing them on the computer. And so the videos that are up on the channel are her her creativity and her own mind. And she, awesome. she actually voices over them and talks through the video and it's kind of a a fun thing. That was that was a lot of fun to work with. What are you saying? She actually has more subscribers than our new podcast channel. Yeah, she's actually I think she just broke two hundred <laughs> subscribers. So. so if you are listening to this, fans <laughs> Yeah, go subscribe to our YouTube channel for the crafted podcast. Yeah. We're getting owned by a seven-year-old girl right now. Yeah. Yeah. We need to rectify that. That's awesome. Other than that, I uh, completely redid my website. So I switched over to uh, Squarespace and spent a long time setting that up. It was like two days worth of work solid. Yeah. But I'm very, very happy that it's finally done and seems to be taking off rather well. Squarespace is awesome. I, I, I would really like to be sponsored by them because I really, <laughs> really am enjoying their platform. After years of like using WordPress, but you know, WordPress is a lot more involved and uh, it's kind of yeah. refreshing to just have everything. I mean, like it's certainly limiting on certain things. There's things I can't do that I would like to be able to do, but it's just so dead simple and looks really nice, very clean. Uh, yeah, just a good looking setup. Yeah. Nice. Uh, 
Well, Zach, what you been working on? I guess you talked about Jimmy's a little bit. Yeah. So, um, that's where I was a good part of last week. It was uh, upstate New York and uh, hanging out with Jimmy, uh, did a vlog, my first actual like real kind of vlog thing. Um, I was kind of scared to do that because I don't know. I don't, I feel like I don't have like that super, Hey, how's it going guys? This is my vlog, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like I'm, I'm totally not that guy. Um, <clears throat> but I think it actually turned out well and I got, I got some nice comments. So that was good. So it's not something I'm going to do often, but I feel like if I, I think if I have an adventurous excuse to make a, a vlog, I might have some more out in the future. Um, so that was fun. And, uh, but the past few days I've, I've been, um, working on that big industrial desk that I'm building. Uh, finally got the tools that I need. Uh, the, the plate joiner, the biscuit joiner showed up. Um, and, uh, what else was I like? Yeah. So I got the top all glued up. Um, I got that thing painted and it's like fire engine red right now. Um, I did some test pieces, but like anybody who's, if you guys have seen the pictures on my Instagram, you're probably going like, Oh my God, that is so red. And it is, um, Oh, I I love it, man. I'm, I love hot colors. It's It's uh, so, but it's so like in the, I actually started doing some distressing after I took that picture and it's going to look so awesome. Like I did a test panel on a piece of, uh, steel first, so I'm spraying it with this, this paint and then, um, burnishing it and scraping it and making it look like it's a hundred years old. So taking off, I don't know, 60% strategically removing about 50% <laughs> of the paint and then, um, actually hitting it with some, uh, stain like wood stain and it actually darkens it up and gives it kind of a little bit of a sheen huh. So that, um, the picture that you see on my Instagram, it's super fire engine but I'm taking most of that paint off or a good amount of it. And then I'm going to hit it with some really dark stains. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to look better. I did, I did some little small pieces <laughs> today and I'm, I can't, I, I'm super excited about it. I mean, I think this is, this might be my, my personal favorite piece when it's done. Um, so yeah, I'm, it's looking awesome, man. I, I, I hope, I hope it does well see it. online, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, and then I have another desk that I have to start as soon as that one gets out. And I have, it's a fairly sizable project. It's another, it's an industrial dining table with like gigantic six by six X brace steel legs. And like, I have to find some massive bolt and uh, uh turnbuckle thing to span the X braces. So I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to do that yet, but I have to figure out soon. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Popular. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of work lined up, which is, is good. I'm booked out for a couple months. I actually had somebody from, I got an email the other day and some of the keywords in it were Vail, Colorado, estate. Um, there, I can't remember the other one, but they're all really good adjectives. So I, I think that might turn into a big job. They want me to design some stuff for an estate in Vail, Colorado. And I think Vail is like where, uh, dude, yeah. Mega, mega, mega money. So, yeah, we'll see about that. That could be a good gig. Nice. So Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've got a bunch of questions. Uh, The topic today is just going to be a listener Q&A. So we hit up our patrons. uh, So you guys always kind of get kind of, you know, precedence over our regular listeners. So thank you guys again for all your support. So um, I will kind of start with the patrons. So, um, Robin Lewis, who we've had on as a guest, Robin has an awesome YouTube channel. If you aren't familiar with him based down in Australia. And so he asked, he's basically, he's building a new shop and he wants to soundproof it as effectively as possible. So, uh, he is building a concrete block wall and is planning to fill it, like fill the concrete blocks with solid concrete all the way through. Uh, just to kind of increase the mass, he's read that mass is kind of the key. So he's wondering our thoughts on soundproofing. So I don't know. Do you either of you guys have experience with this? Because I am uh, actually, you know, yes, because of my um, theater masters, we studied sound in uh, theater performing areas rather well. Nice. Um, and there are, there are two, well, there's several different things to think about. Number one, um, more mass, in other words, concrete 
uh, absorbs the lower frequencies. Um, the you're basically what you're doing is you're taking the resonance of the item and you're slowing it down. And the slower you can make it resonate, um, the lower the the pitch that it will resound. Um, and so basically, the more mass you can put into something, the more you're going to be stopping. Um, low rumbles that uh, that come through the wall because high pitched sounds can be stopped very easily with like drywall and whatnot. But um, the other thing is then the the sound reverberation. But that's a whole thing about trapping it. You can yeah. also take uh, maple and uh, walnut cutoffs and make a bunch of decorative wall ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- as Johnny did in his last video. Yes. Yes. Make some wooden wall art. That would certainly <laughs> help. Um, I mean, I don't know, Robin, if you're planning on insulating it at all uh, mm-hmm. and then drywalling it or, you know, T111, what's that stuff called? The stuff that uh, like Mark and them use on the walls. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I would imagine insulation would be helpful. Um, again, it's just another layer that the sound would have to travel through. And I mean, obviously added bonus of being able to like air condition your shop. If I was building a new shop, it would certainly be insulated. Um, yeah, if you're looking for, for insulative properties, the best thing is rock wool. Yeah. Um, it's a much denser, it, it doesn't have as, as much of an insulation property. In other words, you need more of it to get a higher R value. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't move as much. Its resonance is lower. Um, and so it will stop more of the lower sounds. And yeah. most of the sounds coming from a wood shop are, are in the higher pitch. Um, and those are, those are fairly easy with, with a decent amount of, of insulation. Um, the other thing you can do that is probably going to make the biggest difference is actually a second layer of drywall. Um, that is, you know, if you have a, a solid inch of drywall, it is yeah. amazing what you can cut out with that. Um, or like a layer of drywall and then T111 on top of it. Yeah. On what you want to hang up. Yeah. I think, I mean, I can't, I, I don't know how close your neighbors are, but with solid yeah. concrete covered by insulation and drywall, I don't even know that like a double layer would, I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what you do in your shop, but man, you yeah. know, I mean, woodworking tools are loud, but they're not like, it's not like you're jackhammering all day. You know, it's, yeah. it's a solid state noise, much you know, it's it's kind of different than, I don't know, to me, like woodworking tools have a less annoying noise than like, you know, running a framing nailer on your roof or, you know, like there are certain noises that are just this repetitive, loud, high-pitched kind of noise. Uh, like Jack lunchbox planer is pretty This bad. is true. This is true. Yeah, that thing's my a screamer. Metal, my, uh, my metal cold saw. That's yeah. the loudest tool I own, hands down. Like That's no true. question about it. Yeah, those are pretty loud. It's painful, painfully loud. Yeah. Hmm. Well, hopefully that helps, Robin. I think you guys got any other tips on that one? No. Uh, Ask no. your neighbor if it's, if it's not if it's yeah, too seriously. loud, and then put up another Just layer. Bribe them level. with nice coffee <laughs> tables. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Did he say it was insulating for his house or for his neighbors? For his house. No. No. I mean, like to insulate the sound from going. Oh yeah, I'm sure from bothering his neighbors. Oh, yeah. So I don't think you would care. Everybody's deaf; they don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So next one, uh, make build modify Justin, who is in the live chat. So uh, thanks for the question, Justin. Uh, so he's asking how much we've charged for some of the furniture we've built. So he says <laughs> he's made and sold a few pieces recently, and he says his local economy is a little weak. So he's looking for ballpark estimate for marketing outside of his area. So um, I guess I can go um, trying to think what's the last couple of things I've sold. So uh, let's see the organ cabinet, which I built. Uh, it's been a couple months now. Um, that was 1500 bucks. And basically I price my work $300 a day of labor and then add materials on top of that. And that's pretty much it. So not anything crazy as far as the math is concerned. Um, you know, materials are always kind of weird. Like the walnut I've used for the last couple of projects is stuff I bought a long time ago. So, and I got a really good deal on it. So I tend to, I tend to actually price it like what the market value is, not what I actually bought it for. Um, cause I got it for like a dollar 80 a board foot. And if I go locally and buy it, it's like five or $6 a board foot. So, um, but yeah, basically just 300 bucks per day. 
uh, of labor and then, you know, materials and that's about it. So yeah, the organ cabinet was 1500 bucks. Um, and look, I haven't sold that much recently. The bathroom vanities I built, the double vanities were 750 and the single vanities were 600. Um, that's about all I've sold in the last little bit. It's mostly been stuff for myself these days. Zach, what about you? Um, I, I kind of have the same scheme. Like I have my day rate that's uh, not too far from yours. And because uh, I, 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 I just find it's – I've tried a few models early on, and I find that it's hard for me to guess hours. And, and yeah, breaking things totally. down by day, I can usually – once I have a project – kind of the design roughed out, I can be like, okay, it's going to take me a day to do the legs. It's going to take me two days to glue the top and get it prepped. And then it'll take me, you know, so it's easy for me to actually visualize like, okay, this project should take me five days. And then, like you said, market value on materials. Um, I buy, I get a pretty good deal on all the steel that I purchase. Um, but that's because I buy so much of it. So, um, those savings don't get passed on to my customer because, uh, I've yeah. earned it and it would cost anybody else that same, you know, that same amount. And, uh, and plus, you know, there's, there's always things that you don't expect, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's really hard to account for, the sandpaper that you're going to use, the, the disposables, you know, the, all, all the stuff that you generate, um, you know, the cleanup time, whenever you're done with a project, you're probably going to spend a whole day cleaning your shop. Or at least I have to. Um, so, you know, it's so it's kind of, a, but try and think of all of that stuff beforehand, um, you know, so that you can, you can work that into the equation. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, is figuring out your day rate. And yeah. uh, that's how I like doing things. I mean, also tool wear and tear is something that I don't think most of us incorporate, yeah. but you know, planer blades and table saw blades and, you know, all these things, you know, consumables like sandpaper and glue yeah. those all add up. So you should factor those in. Like actually when I was in Charleston, I was meeting with just hanging out with a, a woodworker I'm friends with uh, Charlie and he has a whole spreadsheet with, I mean, the average amount of power he uses in his shop per month divided out per day and sandpaper costs and glue costs. And, you know, cause all that stuff adds up. Sandpaper is not free. Glue is not free, you know? So in every single project. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you, you kind of need to factor in those costs, but you know, I kind of think if I charge a high enough labor rate, all that stuff kind of falls under that umbrella. Um, and since my shop's in my house, obviously homeowners insurance, you know, it falls under that umbrella. So I don't really have that kind of overhead. Um, but yeah. Somebody in the, uh, somebody just because this is one of the things that I, I used to do too early on. Somebody mentioned that three or four times the material cost usually comes out. Right. And it, it does, and it can. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I used to kind of use that model and that'll kind of typically get you in the ballpark, but I've done work where, you know, if I'm doing a, a big a table that somebody wants a rustic table and it's pine and it's yeah. a lot of work and a lot of labor, you know, you, yeah. you can buy that stuff at the, at the big box store for, you know, 60 bucks. You have enough lumber to do the whole thing versus, and there's a lot of labor involved, you know, versus like I've done slab tables where it's like, okay, the slab is $600 and I just have to weld legs together and it's done. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, so it's sometimes that model. Um, no, you, you need to labor rate because I mean, material costs fluctuate wildly depending on, you know, as I said, I got this walnut off of Craigslist. So, you know, I'm using like a hundred bucks worth of walnut on a $1,500 piece, but it took me like eight days to build. So, you know, it just, I, I don't know that, that kind of stuff, you really need a labor rate because that's how you end up being able to pay yourself a living wage essentially. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, if, if it's working for you, like by all means, it's, it's not like, yeah. there's, there's not like one right way no. to, to charge your labor. Obviously that's just, yeah. I just thought and I'd it, share the reason that I stopped doing things that way. Yeah. yeah if you can, and it depends you can on your market. Yeah. If you can calculate your time and your costs and then come to a number you're comfortable with, then ask yourself, um, is your market comfortable with that number? Yeah. And if so, then fantastic. If not, then 
you're probably going to need to find something else. Yeah. But you know, don't don't ever undersell, undersell yourself. I mean, if your market's not comfortable with it, you know, don't lower your prices just to match your com- your market. No. Yeah, and what else is it's not worth it? Like I found this happens a lot. Like, and I've been doing this for. I mean, I guess it's not really that long, but I've I've built a lot of. I've been doing this full time for seven months. I quit my job seven months ago, and uh, I've I've supported myself solely by commission work. Uh, what I make from YouTube is a complete joke. Um, so I mean, it's it's all commission work for me, and uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I think it really depends on your market and also what you're building. If you're building cutting boards and you're making 10 a day, it's going to be a little harder to figure out your labor rate. Um, But, you know, I guess you just divide by 10 or or whatever, but you know, you need to match it to your market. And also, you know, when I've gone to sell stuff, a lot of times I'm a little hesitant and nervous to throw out that initial figure. And then I do, and they don't even bat an eye. And I'm like, crap i could have probably thrown out a much higher you know what i mean because inevitably it takes you longer to build than you think and my my, my wife basically if i say i'm going to be in it in, like inside in like an hour and a half she just doubles the number right off the bat so i'm very poor at estimating my time so I, yeah. it's just not a skill i have so you know day rate makes that a little better but even still you know things become more difficult yeah okay i remember where i was going I built that, <laughs> I built that thing up i got the the momentum going and then i just totally forgot what i was going to say but um yeah the, the the price of it like almost every project when i'm done with it like i said i keep working up when i first started i was i was definitely way too way too cheap on my prices because i'm like wow like it was it was new to me and i'm like i just want the work i just need the work i need to keep the work coming so i wanted to keep the prices low but Every project, when I finish it and I look at it before it leaves my shop, I look at it and I go, I could have gotten twice what I charged for it. Like yeah. when it's done, I'm always, you know, I'm, I always look at it and I'm like, wow, that was, that was more work than I expected. But it's like, you know, no matter how you model it, I mean, if you do this, this is, this is why handmade stuff is so cool is because it always looks so much better when it's done. Like you can, (laughs) you can 3d model it, how, you know, as, as perfect as you can do it. And there's still some X factor that happens when you put it together by hand. And it's just, I'm, you know, everything I've built always looks so much better in person than what I convey to the the client, you know, in in SketchUp or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say I've ever really had anybody, it's it's very rare that I throw a price out and somebody says, oh, that's a bit too much. And if they do, it's not a big deal. You know, I, I ask for what's what kind of before I start designing uh, the piece, I say, what's what kind of budget are you into? First, I'll get them going with like designers. I'm like, do you have any favorite designers? Do you have any favorite pieces? Like, what are you attracted to? And I feel like that gets them kind of amped up because they start thinking about those things and they get excited about it. And then you drop the price bomb on them. You're like, okay, what's your budget? And, uh, you know, that gives me an idea of what I can, what I can work with on the design. Then you're, you're going to rarely ever hurt someone's feelings by giving them a high number. Um, that just, and then the, the buyer's point of view, that is, that is more value added to the product. Yeah. You know, it's costing more. Well, that makes it a better product. And and if you give them a high number, and it's too high for them, then you, you can usually say, okay, well I can do something for less. It, yeah. Or we can change this in the design and yeah, exactly. Or the type of wood, or, I mean, there's yeah. a million things you could adjust to bring it down to their budget. But the other thing is with custom furniture, most of the time, well, I shouldn't say most, but especially depending on your style, if it's custom furniture, the budget is going to be a little more flexible than, you know, cutting boards or, turned bowls or, you know, whatever smaller items you're selling. Like people have an idea of what these smaller things should cost. But when it comes to larger pieces or, you know, things that are really more in depth, they have no idea a lot of times. And, you know, a lot of the people I've built stuff for, they just, the budget is not a huge factor for them. So unique um, items have a unique price. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Cool. Well, I think we only got time for like one more question before we need to move along. But uh, let's do this one from Boone Langston. I think he's a friend of Zach's, right? Zach? Yeah, went to high school with that guy. Yeah. So what's up, Boone? So he says he's really terrible at keeping his space clean. Uh, the energy of creating often generates a product that he's excited about, but a mess he's not excited about. So he ends up passing the burden onto his future self who ends up cleaning up the space before the next project. So he's wondering if we have any tips or tip tips or tricks. Um, that is exactly what I do. So I have, <laughs> I have no tips or tricks that my, my shop looks like a bomb went off in it. I usually like tidy up a little bit before finishing because you kind of need to, you know, yeah. protect surfaces and get rid of dust and stuff. But outside of that, you know, it's run and gun while you're building stuff. So I'm not a guy who puts away his tools at the end of the day because I think that's a huge waste of time. Yeah, I, I only stop and clean up when I notice that my efficiency is being affected by the mess. Yeah. Once that happens, then I stop everything I'm doing. I clean up everything. I put it all away, and then I go back at it again. Yeah. I, but it, you know, if if I if I have a mess and I'm living in a messy shop and things are on the floor and things are where they shouldn't be, but I'm still efficient and I'm still working and I'm still going, then. Yeah, there's no reason to stop and clean. It's not not worth it. Yep. I just curse a lot more. <laughs> running I can never find my damn tape measure. That's that's like that's the thing that pisses me off. My tape measure and my nice good mechanical pencil. Stop like, using it. One. I have like five of them. In oh, my top and I can. I have three them. tape measures, but two of them are permanently gone. I don't know where they went. <laughs> so I'm down to one in the shop and one I keep like in my office because it's incredibly useful to have a tape measure. This is like a life pro tip right here. Oh yeah. Having a tape measure on your desk so that when you're 3D modeling a piece, you can be like. Does that look right? You know, like an actual real life. That is uh, incredibly useful. I usually, but, yeah. have, I usually have a, a, a T square in my, or yeah. whatever you call those little combination square. Yes. I usually have yeah. one of those on my desk. Yeah. Oh, look, I have a tape measure right here. There's where one of them went. Nice. There you go. Yeah. See, <laughs> I mean, Boone, I would say embra- embrace the mess. Anybody I see who has like a perfectly tidy shop at all times. I have this feeling that they waste so much time tidying up. There's actually a really interesting book. I know David Picciuto has mentioned it a couple of times. It's called like the art of tidying up or something like that. It's a, this Asian woman who wrote this crazy awesome book about tidying up and how it's a huge time sink. And instead of like tidying up every like, you know, day or week or whatever, you should just reduce the amount of crap you have. And so that way you don't have to spend so much time tidying things that you're basically just moving around from one service to another. Yeah. The life changing magic of tidying up. It's a Japanese art of decluttering. I think I might do a live stream on my Instagram tomorrow <laughs> of my shop because there is a pile of like I like my my work the the desk that's like against the wall the bench. There's always a pile of like those C vice grips and hand <laughs> grips and pliers and like all the things that when you need one of them, you pull it and everything like comes out with it. So like you can't, and whatever I need is always on the bottom of the pile and it's, it's just, it's a wreck. It's an absolute catastrophe. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, I mean, reducing clutter in the shop is a whole another thing. I think a lot of us hang on to stuff we do not need. I mean, especially scrap wood and, you know, keeping that one piece of sandpaper that still has a little bit of life left in it. It's like, dude, just, <laughs> just throw away that sandpaper, you know, like get a new sheet. It'll be okay. It's like 49 cents. So, um, you know, those kind of things definitely can suck efficiency, but I don't think cleaning up every day is necessary. Cause especially if you're just going to put it away, then to take it right back off the, the shelf for the pegboard or whatever the next day seems like a huge waste. See, I, I've never had the problem of finding a tape measure. Yeah, there you go. I have one in my shop, but I never touch it. <laughs> you use that little fancy fold-out ruler thing. Well, I rarely actually need to measure anything, so it's... Yeah. What's What's the advantage of using the old-school fold-out thing? Is it just like... It looks really cool. Um, It yeah. fits in my vest easily. <laughs> what's that? fits in my vest easily it's not like hanging off my body hmm. there's, but there's i mean even that, that like i might use i might use that like once a week 
if that? I feel like it wouldn't be as accurate. I mean, that's probably just in my head, but I feel like with all the folding joints and stuff, it would be. A, a yeah. And I, I think that's, that's the other big difference between the hand tool world and um, power tool world. A measuring device in the hand tool world is a very rough estimate idea it yeah. is what you do for general dimensioning. So if you need to get smaller than an eighth of an inch, um, you're not using a measuring device for it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess a tape so measure isn't really a precision measuring yeah. tool. Whereas, but. you know, when you're working with, with power tools and everything like that, the, the, the measuring, the more accurate you can be, the, the better. Nice. Yeah, with a power tool, you're, with a hand tool, you're always matching it up against something else in reality as opposed to a measured distance. Yeah, I think uh, when I get mostly into measuring, it's because, you know, a lot of the stuff I build needs to be for a very specific space. So, like, those vanities I built needed to be within, mm -hmm. like, you know, a quarter of an inch to fit in the little spot that they had in that bathroom. And, you know, it, uh, the model was based on that measurement and all that stuff. But And that's the one that's the once a week when I use it, like when I'm making the 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 dresser, I needed to be a specific distance to fit in a space in my room. Yeah. And so I made that measurement for the top piece, but then every other measurement I made was just based off of that item. Yeah. yeah. I used it the once to mark it, but after that it kind of Yeah. Man. What a different life. Well, uh, we've got one more question, but let's save that for the after show. So apologize mm -hmm. to our patrons. We haven't had the after show in a couple of weeks, but between like being on the road and having a bunch of guests, it's, uh, I never like to like have to hold on to the guests for that long, you know? So <laughs> try to try to keep that when it's just us, just so they don't have to, you know, spend another 15 minutes or whatever. But that one, anyway. the, the one of the after shows that was, uh, Michael Kerwin. So hopefully he's still in the live chat so we can hear it. Yes, he is in the live chat. So well, I think his question was any suggestions for finishing a 90% or greater humidity. And we just said buy a dehumidifier. So that was, uh, I missed that one. What was I doing? Yeah. He, uh, I mean, 90% finish is just not going to cure. It's just I, too high. I feel like, uh, I mean, even in Florida, it's pretty rare that it's above like 75. Yeah. Unless it's like actively raining and your garage door is open. I, I don't know when it would be. 90% or greater, but if that's the case, close your garage and get a dehumidifier because that's... Yeah, we had several days in a row here that were 80, 85, 90, 95% for just constantly. Man. Huh. Yeah, I mean, when that happens, I mean, I, I'm air conditioned in the basement. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> or I just seal it in the garage and, and rent a dehumidifier. You can rent one for like 20 bucks a day. I mean, dude, they're they're 200 bucks, and if you don't have AC, to me, a dehumidifier is the next greatest thing yeah. because it the, the the humidity is really what makes you feel hot a lot of times. So yeah. if you can reduce humidity in your shop, A, it makes you feel better, but B, it's so much better for your lumber to be at a reasonable humidity level. Like I, I, I know I had a lot of issues with the wooden vice screw on the Rubo. And I think most of that was because that screw had been sitting there for months in a very humid space. So I bought a dehumidifier got another screw and it's been no issues since then, even unfinished. So his, um, his comment carport carport. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, I would say, I mean, honestly, there's, yeah. there's nothing. I mean, I would just dodge spray finishes at that point. Yeah. Or just I mean, there's, quit, there's... quit woodworking, get into knitting, you know, <laughs> leather work. I mean, there's electronics. There's a yeah, lot once, of, uh, once you go over like 80 degree, 80%, it just, you know, it, it's going to take you, days and days and days to dry yeah i would yeah. i would be uh i mean I, there's there's plenty of good wipe on or rub in finishes out there yeah. so you know there's and even yeah. even in my work like i'm getting to the point where i'm like yeah i don't feel like spraying this finish I'm no like, spraying is uh, it's a pain but it's also i mean it depends on the piece but i've, I've had some oxy bar top my yeah. uh my my spray finishes. I've had pretty good luck with them. Like I just went and checked in on that that gigantic like power and USB table that I did, and then the top on that is like still amazing, and it gets commercial use. So I was yeah. happy about that. But cool. it's a lot of work. I mean, just cleaning the gun, and especially oh, like yeah. my shop. If I had like a nice spray area, that would be one thing. But mm -hmm. 
uh, once I was, it was actually that table. I think I talked about a few weeks ago when I was shooting like the third coat on it. And then the dude ran like, cause I have fans blowing through my shop cause it's 400 degrees here. And like the dude on a riding lawnmower blasted by my door and the whole top of the table is just covered in like little tiny grass and dirt. And yeah, I was pissed. Yeah. That's no good. Cool. Well, let's move into what we've been watching or reading or listening to or whatever. Um, so mine this week is third coast craftsman. Uh, so I stumbled across his video. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Um, he put out this really cool, it's like a, dovetail sliding dovetail leg modern end table so he basically took a slab cut a circle out of it for the top of the table and then cut sliding dovetails into each of the legs to kind of fit it onto the top really really cool stuff uh, turned out great so highly recommend checking that video out um, he's got a few thousand subscribers but really good video um, I, I definitely think if he continues to put out content he will do well so yeah yeah I have uh, Andrew Malacy. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his last name right. <laughs> he does some. He just does a, a bunch of different videos, and I'm always finding something interesting and inspirational in his videos. But he recently did this one. It was a, a shadow box where he cut a whole bunch of different layers of paper and then separated them all by like an eighth inch. Um, and each layer was a cutout of um, someone in the family or background or scenery, and then put an LED light behind it, and it just kind of popped. And, uh, you know, the, the project itself wasn't a, a huge deal or anything like that, but the inspiration in it was incredible. And that's something I want to, I want to try and, and do something similar to that in the future. So yeah, cool. a good channel. Nice. Zach. So, um, if, if you guys have been keeping up with, uh, the Jimmy Duresta videos, you've noticed he has a new shop assistant. Yes, dude. Um, I, he was almost my pick this week. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. I picked him. Um, Brett McAfee is his name. Um, let me figure out how to spell it's, uh, Brett B R E T T last name is M C A one F E E. Um, I'd seen him in some of his videos, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't really been in, in many of them. I didn't know what the story was, but, uh, he actually moved. He, he was in, uh, uh, Manhattan with Jimmy and, uh, he ended up moving up there to, to help him out. So he's, he's the new shop hand and, uh, super cool guy. Me and him really, we, we got to talking and really hit it off. Well, um, he knows what he's doing. He has actually a background in production and stuff. And he just started his own YouTube channel, uh, pretty recently. And, and it's uh, really good. Like, I was, yeah, it was really watching, good videos. I was, yeah, I was watching him, uh, um, do the edit on, on all the, like that, like eight bit animation sequence on his, he just, it's his, his first real video that he put out like for, for his own stuff. It's, uh, called the shadow Axe. And, uh, it's just really cool. So he, he has some really neat ideas we, we talked about and, uh, essentially he's going to be build every, um, it's going to be like a Nintendo game. So like every intro, like he's going to be building up this character and like leveling him up with all the items and stuff that he's making. So it's just a really cool concept, a really fun guy to talk to. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my pick of the week. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, tools of the week, James, seems like you got one. Um, yeah, actually I, I don't often use Japanese saws, but I recently picked up a couple. Um, and, uh, this, uh, well, I've been looking for a decently priced traditional Japanese saw and there aren't very many out there, but I came across this on, on, um, they actually sell them on Amazon by Suzanne, or I don't know what the, the name brand is. Uh, well, it's, yeah, you can see in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it's Japanese. Um, but they make a, a whole series. Suizan. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, they make a whole series of, of Japanese um, saws, but uh, the um, Ryobai, Roba. I'll have to start remembering these if I start mentioning them in the videos. <laughs> I'm not good with names. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with them. Really quality stuff. I've been, I've been impressed. So yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with them more. Nice. Zach, you got one? Yeah. So I can't remember if I said this a few weeks ago or not, but if I did, I probably slipped it in last minute. Um, 
but uh, it's the sanding block called the Prep and Weapon. And I, I remember I almost didn't buy it because the name is so stupid. I just, like, I saw it so many times. I'm like, I'm not going to buy that. That's the dumbest name ever. But it's a, uh, actually, I'll put a link in the live feed. Um, it's a, uh, it's a sanding block, but it's uh, skinnier and longer. And uh, it's just, it works better. The paper lasts longer. And it has the, the thing that I hate about like most sanding blocks is that they have like those nails that you have to yes. like, strategically like stretch the paper out. And no matter how hard you stretch it, it's not enough. And then you get like that little bit of slack like, slack in there. And yeah. that just drives me nuts. So this, these one, that's the best thing about this thing actually, is it just uses like, kind of like toggle clamps on the edge. So um, you don't have that issue. And also like when you cut the, when you cut the paper, like you orient it the other direction. So you get more paper out of it. So yeah, it's cool. Nice. Put it in the show notes. Um, So my pick this week is a sweet mechanical pencil. So I have been using these hilarious frozen, like the, you know, the Disney movie frozen mechanical pencils that my mom <laughs> got me for Christmas, like two years ago. Cause I love the movie frozen, <laughs> but it's like 0.9 millimeter lead. And I mean, I, you know, I don't know anything about mechanical pencils. Well, I started looking around and I always noticed like Chris Salamone and, and some other people using some really fine tipped mechanical pencils. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll try one with a little finer tip. So, uh, I found this Rotring 500, which is like some German-made mechanical pencil. It's 0.5 millimeter lead, and my word, does it change everything? Because you you strike a line, and it's like you know it's as close to a marking knife as you can get without using a marking knife. And yeah, you know, obviously it's a lot more visible than a marking knife. Um, but man, it is a sweet little mechanical pencil, and it was like you know nine dollars for one mechanical pencil, but. Man, it was actually $13 for one mechanical pencil, but man, it is sweet. And I, I bought like three of them just again, so I don't lose them, but I really, really like it. So highly yeah. recommend that. I'm the opposite. I like the uh, gigantic, they're actually called lead holders. Like, yeah, it's like, I think it's, I don't even know. It's like 1.7. They're huge. Oh man. That's my in-shop writing pencil. Yeah, they're they are awesome. Like, I, but so for like laying out joinery and stuff like that, I mean, that's super that's not next. accurate. Yeah, I mean, well, you can use, you know, like I, I'll just cut along one side of the line. Right? <laughs> yeah, see, I like the line to be the line. That's uh, I like you know, basically using a pencil as a marking knife. For me, for video especially, marking knives kind of suck because you cannot see. They don't show up, you know, so I almost fling in the marking knife. (laughs) Yeah. Which seems so counterintuitive. You know, it's like use a, this, this 0.5 millimeter, I'm telling you, it is so fine yet still visible, man. It's like a game changer. And and just the pencil itself is super comfortable. You know, it's like meant for drafting and, and stuff like that. So really well designed and it's just cool looking it's like black like you know with like a knurled you know where you hold your you know fingers on it and like nice little red stripe on the the eraser cap just sleek i mean i'm I'm really selling this pencil it's uh i like it i like it a lot so highly recommended so that is going to do it for this week guys thank you so much for listening as always uh, live people stick around we will have the after party also patreons uh i guess five dollar and up patrons uh you know look for the after show on patreon and uh yeah that'll be that'll be it for this week so thanks everybody for listening until next week happy building see ya you later